This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Planet Earth. This is the 22nd century, the land renewed, the air and water pure again. The conflicts of the past are gone. It is a new earth, new peoples and new customs. In some places, bizarre savagery. In others, advanced cities. Everywhere, new challenge and new adventure. And this is also the story of Dylan Hunt, lost in 1979 in a suspended animation accident. Over a century and a half later, in the year 2133, he was found and awakened by the people of this city called Pax, Peace. The one place on Earth which escaped the final conflict of the 20th century. The one place on Earth where civilization did not perish. Dylan Hunt is one of them now leader of a PAX science team, exploring a much-changed world. Part of the PAX dream of rebuilding on Earth a new and wiser civilization. Their mission is mankind. Rebirth of planet Earth. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that's finally back from hiatus. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan, and this week we're joined by returning guest Kevin. Hey guys, how are you? What's real, everybody? I think it should be What's Real Kevin. (laughs) <laughs> well everyone can tell me what's real just living like a dink living like a dink man we're gonna say the word dink so many yeah times. wasn't it we're, we're you know burying the lead is that what they what they say in the business <laughs> yeah. but like man they say dink so much time in this and i i laughed every time every i had to pause time. it and then laura was in a different room and i had to come to the room and be like you won't believe what they're saying i was like they keep saying dink <laughs> she wasn't as amused as i was but they keep saying dink oh my god i mean this is a this is a weird one that's for sure oh yeah my god. Uh, well, Jordan, we've been gone for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to? Not that much. It feels weird not to be watching um, sometimes good, sometimes bad science fiction, like every hour of my life. Well, then this must have been a treat to get back to. It, you know what? This was a good one to start with, I think. Nice. And what episode did we do? So I mean, we can get right into it, I guess. This is Planet Earth, as as Luke mentioned, and it is kind of which we can talk about kind of a remake of Genesis 2? Not at all. I would say it's not at all a remake of Genesis 2. It's well, kind of a sequel. It's, a it's sequel. kind of the it's next episode, yeah. Right. But I should say, for anyone listening to this, for maximum enjoyment, they should go back and listen to the Genesis 2 episode. Maximum enjoyment. Yeah. yeah we've recorded the first one, Genesis 2, with Kevin. It was, I can't even remember, like episode 12, let's say, very early on. When we did it, we thought there were two remakes of it. We thought they had attempted to reboot the show twice. So when I started watching this TV movie, I was so confused. I'm like, is this a direct sequel with no, a different you, cast? You no, know, it, it, it is a remake. But what they basically just did is, what if we just got rid of all that stuff? All that stuff that takes time. It's like, it's the, the, the becoming a superhero. Like, let's just get rid of it. Yeah. And I don't know, do it in a really clumsy uh, voiceover. It's and kind then of yada, boom. yada, yada kind of way. All right. He's few, he's in the future and he's frozen. All it's, right. Let's get into the space. It's suits. funny. I did a little bit of reading on it. I actually do think it did well enough. They felt like they could bring it back and like keep going with the story. This was a different network, though. This was oh, a, really? this was ABC. So I like that two networks passed on this. Mm-hmm. 
That so this means was the second one. They keep trying. And I mean, there's a third one, which must be the conclusion of a trilogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I've read, the third one uh, is different. The, the, these first two are so much of a piece. And the third one sounds like they retooled the idea. Like it starts with uh, the guys. It's not just one uh, cryo sleeper. It's three. And they're asleep in a space station at the beginning of the show. However, having said that, I would love to watch it. <laughs> it does, that does I'd sound say. like that does sound like the third movie in the trilogy, though. It's like <laughs> right, right. one guy in it, one guy in Frozen. What if three people were Frozen? <laughs> well, before we get started, can either of you recap what happened in Genesis Two? Since we kind of have a bit of a sequel situation. Okay, well, let's see. Uh, it was uh, Dylan Hunt is the guy in who in the late. 90s or something is uh, due to an accident where he's having he's, he's testing out the cryo equipment in some NASA bunker underneath a mountain uh, on like Sunday afternoon when no one's around <laughs> and and then there's like the second they close the door there's like an earthquake or something and oh, he gets right. sealed in um, and then uh, he wakes up long uh, many many years later and what I'm increasingly realizing is just like the tropiest trope ever because you you guys just did America 2100 which is the same thing and then I was thinking of Idiocracy which is the same thing or Futurama like it's just this go-to sci-fi idea but anyway he, he woke up uh, in a with world, a beard with a beard with a great <laughs> beard uh, and then there was all the stuff about him staggering around like a drunk guy for a long time mm-hmm. because of the effects of the cryo sleep. yeah I can't I can't realize why they would have gotten rid of all that yeah, him walking no around a bathroom no uh, 20 minutes <laughs> And then he had to interact with really boring people. Remember, there was all the stuff about their society. They kept talking about their super advanced society, but then you'd see someone playing a violin in the background, and that was supposed to represent how great everything was. Yeah. Now. Right, they were so uh, advanced. So advanced. And then he he was working for guys he thought were the good guys, but it turned out that they maybe they were the bad guys, but no, they really were the good they guys. They were the good guys. He had, to set, he had to set some sort of slave people free. And there was two belly buttons on that one lady, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I oh, remember, that was I remember great. there was two belly buttons, and I remember he got on a horse that was laying down and rode yes, it away. It was really great. <laughs> yeah. And did you notice the return of the equestrian stuff to this? I did. I, I did think who in Roddenberry's world was like, man, we got to get horses in this. We got to get yeah. some great horse action. I know, I know horse a horse now. guy. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good synopsis of it. Um, and, and really is kind of what the show was kind of a startup to a guy waking up in the future and mm-hmm. uh, discovering a bunch of tribes now. Humanity's been split into tribes and he's now working for PAX, the peaceful organization, the Star Trek, if you will, of yep. uh, this this new world. That has super trains that travel anywhere around the world in one shot that they just reuse over and over and over. Oh, again. those sub shuttles. They're, yeah. uh, they're real popular in this episode. It's just that all the tunnels look similar. That's it. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we should get into it. Um, because it's something I like to do, we're going to give us some historical context for where we are when this show comes out. Mm. It's April 23, 1974. The population of the world has just reached four billion. Is that right? It was four billion. That's what Wikipedia said. Wow. Just reached four billion for the first wow. time. Ding! Just rolled over. Ding! <laughs> yeah, a little speedometer. Stephen King just published Carrie. Hmm. Was that his first book? I think under the Stephen King name. Hmm. I think he'd been writing under uh, his Richard Bachman. Bachman. Right. And uh, Patty Hearst just robbed the bank with the SLA. Oh. Hmm. That worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> You're a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Big fan of all the Hursts. <laughs> and that's what brings us to this IMDb summary for Planet Earth. A man awakens from suspended animation and finds himself in the 22nd century, where he finds that women rule the world and that men are slaves called dinks. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to laugh every time we yeah. say it. 
He is captured and sold as a slave, but he escapes and hooks up with a male rebel movement. Everyone was really excited when they said they were going to go see the Amazons, right? <laughs> it was like, it was all I wanted in the last one. They were like, it was like that thing of like... Because like they me- mentioned it in the last one. They, they did, something right? something excited like, hey, look over there. It's a it's a lion riding in a hot air balloon that's on fire. But don't look over. Don't look. I'm like, no, no, I want to see that. It's like they mentioned the Amazons in the last one. I was like, that would be fun. And then in this one, we see it. I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed. Didn't you? Didn't you, didn't you think they were going to be a little bit like Raquel Welch and like right. was it three million BC, million years BC? With yeah. the fur bikini and that's what thing. I thought it was going to be. But anyway, that's my own my I own mean, problem. You're not wrong. This was we, I think we went through it last time. There were a bunch of plots written up for Genesis Two had gone to series, and this was one called Pet Shop. This mm. was like a plot uh. they had been kicking around for that show that we had talked about, and we're like, well, that's a weird idea, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Roddenberry definitely had this thing, right? I don't know what it was in his internal psyche that made this an attraction attraction for him, but he was always pitching this story, the idea that, okay, guys, what if we go to a place where the ladies are in charge and all the guys are wearing, like, collars and living in cages and saying mistress? And it seemed like over and over again in his career, people were telling him, Gene, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, he was trying to pitch it as an allegory for something, and it's like, I don't, I think it's Yeah, it is, what is the allegory? <laughs> well, well that, that's the thing in this. At, and we'll obviously get to it. By, by the end of this episode... You know there's an idea there, or there might be a moral, but you're like, is the moral that women are bad, or that men are bad, or that women should just be happy to be subservient, or it would be better society if women were in charge? Like, it's it's not quite clear, because it's just this weird, muddy, somewhat uncomfortable, like you're reading over someone's shoulder and they're writing like a gross diary. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I and, and you're right, like, we had talked to Luke and I before, before we started recording, I I've, I had it written down all the times he's pitched either this exact idea or something close. And it's like he did it a couple times in Star Trek. And if it didn't get there, it went into another pilot or mm. it went into the cartoon Star Trek. Like he just had this idea of this somewhat dominatrix kind of society that he clearly was interested in. Right. Uh, that he just was like, it's going to happen. And he kept <laughs> trying it. And it's, it's all through this. Well, I mean, the best thing I read online was someone said, this is from Roddenberry's horny period. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is. Yeah. It's his blue period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we start off with a bit of a prologue that basically does explain the first movie and sort of talks about how he was lost in 1979 and reawakened with Pax in 2133. Now, of course, we've got a new actor playing the lead role no mm. mustache this time no no but he, but he has at least three different uh, parts in his hair to cover up his, some bald spots his up. hair is fascinating i have to tell you i i was staring at his hair in so yeah. many shots trying to figure out what is going so on so he's there. got here's my theory he's got a comb over right for one but then he's got a very trumpian back comb over mm-hmm. because i saw where the part was and it was halfway up the top of his head <laughs> that parted down so he's it's that weird thing you see on TV. I remember, I remember seeing on House. Remember when House was on the air, and for some reason they were obsessed with not showing that he had a bald spot. Right. It's like, why can't House have a bald spot? Right. What does it matter? But it was like this weird thing of you can't show that. And I feel it's the same thing on this. It's like, well, he's a leading man in the 1970s. Yeah, come on, man. You have he's... to understand that when he gets that other woman drunk later, she's going to have to be attracted <laughs> to him. So we better have a full head of hair. I just want to say, as far as the opening sequence goes, that if you're going to start your show with a bunch of stock shots of raccoons and landscapes and then cut to a matte painting, which is like the worst matte painting. And then cut to Ted Cassidy wearing like this weird Laurie Partridge blonde wig. Like I'm in, like I was was... so in the first three minutes, I was like, this is clearly just crazy garbage television. And I am doubling down. Well, it's very funny because that's even in Genesis two, 
there was that sequence where we got to see all those animals yeah, and yeah. Know, very Davy Crockett. Like, yeah, <laughs> he was committed to this idea. Even uh, we'll get into it, but there's the sub shuttles we mentioned earlier. They're using the same shots from the original show. You know, I went I went back and looked, and I think they actually made minor set modifications, but they clear it clearly was the same um, uh, set. Like, yeah. it was very minor. I, at first, when you first saw our hero or Dylan Hunt, uh, John Saxon's the actor's mm. name with the awesome hair. Yeah. When you first saw him walk into the train, I, that's when I first realized, oh, it's not just the same shots. They actually still have that set. They've got actors walking into it. It was pretty amazing that they kept that for... Yeah. There must have been a soundstage at Warner Brothers that just had that giant train set in it for a yeah. year. Well, I think we had mentioned that what I had read it in uh, when he did Genesis 2, it was what they spent the budget on. Like, they front-loaded right. on, this is the selling piece. Like, this is our enterprise. This is this thing. Right. So I, I thought it was weird because... You're right. They did reuse it, and it looks it looks fine. It looks yeah. like clearly the most expensive thing on this show. Mm. But they don't use it very much. No, exactly. I, same reaction. You'd think for it being such a centerpiece of the show, you'd be there a lot more. But he gets to Amazon Land pretty quick, and then stays yeah. there for a long time. I mean, this opening is very Star Trek y in some mm. ways. Like Pax is now kind of going on missions. Yeah, they yep. have like they have away teams. They basically have the next generation's uniform on. Yes, like, which actually looked pretty spiffy. Big big improvement over uh, Genesis Two. I thought their yeah. costumes. The color the coloring was a little bad. Though. A little off. Little a little off. Off. little seventies. Little little avocado colored. You know, not not the most appealing. We kind of see them on that first mission where they've gone out to California to uh, observe. As I've got the quote here, is what they say. It's it's real something. <laughs> They're. Uh, they're trying to contact a population in the inland sea of California with a quote handsome racial mixture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing are, wrong with that phrase at all. Nothing wrong with that. Illiterate but intelligent. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's and we don't see that rate that's people they're going to see. He's kind of they're coming back. They get attacked by I guess who's going to be the I guess running villain of the show, the Kriegs. Uh, yeah, these guys. I, well, you know, there's a couple of things about it where you go, okay, there's there's interesting stuff, right? Like, first of all, they're kind of they're proto modern Klingons with a yeah. bumpy head and all. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they got the prosthetics. They like it's like a bumpy head, but a mohawk kind of going yeah. in the center of the head. So I, I, I thought of... they were going to be. Um, they look like uh, Nazis at first. I mm-hmm. thought that was going to be the thing. Totally, the uniforms were like that, right? But then it's like. Oh, they're Nazis, but then they take their helmets off. You're like, oh, leave the helmets off. They got bumpy heads. That's yeah, what need. do they need the Nazi helmets for? And then they, well, they talk later in the episode. I don't think they talk in that first kind of Mad Max car chase scene. No. But they, they, when they eventually talk, they talk like someone trying to talk through a burp, you know? Like they're doing, <laughs> they're doing yeah. that kind of like, I want to come to your house well, kind of thing. Kevin, they're mutants. <laughs> I mean, come on, be real. Be, <laughs> yeah. be understanding. Well, they also have like a weird dialogue too, because they seem to refer to each other. They're like... Private to captain, <laughs> we should do this. Captain to private, you should do that. Like they, they like talk to each other by rank for some. It's a very weird culture that we get very little impact. Very on. little of. I don't know why they're all wearing purple jumpsuits. And their cars, they all have cars still from the yes. past, but they're wood burning. Yes, they which have. I thought, oh, good on you guys. Then you yeah. don't seem to have a whole lot of technology, but you figured out how to put ovens into cars and make that yeah. a thing surprisingly a effective. Ride. surprisingly effective i did wonder how effective their cards could be when presumably there are no roads like yeah. i don't know how good your buick is when you but i did like that kind of stuntman catapult thing that was very mad maxi on the back of the car where the guy so the guy can stand in the back uh, sort of on the back trunk area of the car in this contraption and sort of guide the driver and then it's great because the minute they hit something that guy can go wow through the air out of yeah. the car it's true that's kind of what happens here is our away team gets attacked by the kriegs and uh, dylan hunt has to lead the team back to the sub shuttle to get away and it's funny because here it took me a little while to figure this out but i guess we're supposed to understand these are our favorites from before like harper smith's back right great name um 
Isaiah's back, played by Lurch again. He's, right? the, he's the only recurring person. Right. The recurring actor. Recurring actor, me. right. And then the leader of PAX, Kimbridge, also a new actor. Right. Far weaker actor, apparently. Yeah. He Basically get, no dialogue, right? No, he just gets hurt. That's he gets what he, shot immediately. And that's like the rest of the episode. It's like, we've got to save Kimbridge. Right, but it, right. there's like, you barely remember. You, if you saw the first one, you barely remember. And in this one, you're just like, why do I care if this man... Can I just point out one more thing about Ted Cassidy in addition to his amazing <laughs> wig? It was that they, throughout the episode, cannot decide on how to pronounce his name. It is spelt <laughs> Isaiah. Yeah. But I, I wrote this down phonetically because I paused and listened to it several times. At one point, somebody calls him as Aya. Mm. And at another point, somebody calls him as Isia. But n- mm. I don't think anybody ever calls him Isaiah, which is actually is how it's spelled. Um, but anyway. In, in, the, uh, in the natural savage, it's, <laughs> it's pronounced Isaiah. They say that later. It's not oh, me. Oh my god! Me. That the, the moment when he decides to pray for Peter Kimbridge. Well, that's it. They're back, coming back in the sub shuttle after this attack. They've escaped the Kriegs. He's dying, and there's a new character, Baylock. I think. Yeah, he's, Baylock. He seems like he might be interesting, except that he doesn't do anything. He, I, except fail to do things. Yeah, like, he's got like a mind meld, or maybe he might yeah. be some sort of. Psychic. I actually think he doesn't have any powers. <laughs> right. Because, he just says because what he is. They're like they're like he's an is it Esper? Is that what they said he is? Yes, an Esper. Yeah, and they're like oh so he, maybe try to heal this guy because he's being shot and they're now on the shuttle and he's like yeah let me try and they get that like you know uh, uh vo shot of him coming to grab the guy's head and he's just like yeah i can't do anything <laughs> like oh okay your asper powers aren't working no, no not today no, he not kind of today. just diagnoses he's like oh he's been shot in the heart yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. i could kind of tell that from the outside i don't need to have esper powers thank, thank you thank you esper can i say one thing before the shuttle Mm-hmm. When they were fighting the Kriegs, uh, and they had their somewhat intriguing-looking little sort of palm-fisty ray guns mm-hmm. that they were shooting the Kriegs. Yeah, were they shooting darts or was it lasers? I couldn't figure it out, but I did notice. I'm sure in one shot you could actually see John Saxon making pew-pew sounds. <laughs> I swear to God, you could see his lips move as he thought he was I, shooting. I don't think you're wrong about that. You may not remember this, but that was from Genesis 1. Pax uses Trank guns. Oh, that was the whole I forgot thing. So that's what that. I was wondering, but I couldn't tell if that's what it was. Yeah, it, that uh. was literally from the first series. Like, we don't use weapons. We all use tranquilizer guns. So it goes back to the, this is just the next episode. I do idea. have one thing, and Luke, this is another a little side, side note. But the whole point of the Kree coming in, they were trying to find access to the train, right? The subtitle, yes. yeah. But they found where it was at the end. Like yeah, they got, they got, they got up to the gate, and then they were like shooting at them. And they're like, "All right, see us, smell you later, suckers." And they yeah. got on the thing. I'm like, but they know where it is now. Yeah, because Lurch closed the gate. They made it yeah. like that. Well, that's it now. He closed that gate, which is like a, a gate yeah. a Portuguese family would have exactly. outside their, their yard. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Like, uh, thank God we brought the strong man because he's the one that closed the gate. Yeah, when no and one it's else like, could. We'll just come back later. There's walk, no way, walk there's no way to get through that gate. It's impossible. <laughs> it's that's impossible. It. Anyway, but yeah. And it, it was a good question because we kind of lose them for most of the episode. Totally. They're there forward. in the first 10 minutes and they'll they'll return much later. We're racing back with Kimbridge. We get that scene that Jordan alluded to earlier where they, they can't help Kimbridge with this psychic guy. So Lurch being, I guess he's supposed to be an aboriginal man of some sort. Of some sort, yeah. He's like, I'll pray for him. And he starts doing a prayer, and the, and Baylock just like, ah, let <laughs> that savage pray. Exactly. Yeah. I was well, just like, you're the enlightened race, and you I just called a man a savage. Pray. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's you try to be forgivable because it's it's of its time, but also it's just like it yeah. just is aged so badly. Yeah. I, even totally. of its time, I don't think that works. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> let the savage pray. I mean, this is supposed to be June Runberg, supposed to be so enlightened, but this yeah. that was a bit much. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, they they make it back to Pax. 
they can't help him. They need someone who's going to uh, build a bioplastic prosthetic pulmonary artery mm-hmm. in order to save Cambridge. Uh, the guy who's good at it, he's busy in the Mediterranean. He's off on a Greek vacation somewhere. <laughs> they said Eastern Mediterranean area. They kept it very general. <laughs> uh, so they're like, well, who's the number two guy? He must be closer. And of course, he went missing recently back in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's over there? Uh so basically, this basically sends them off on their mission. They've got to go back. They got to find him. And the last place they saw him was uh, amongst an Amazonian colony of women who keep male slaves. And and what did, what was the line, Kevin? Did you write it down? The line he had. Uh... Oh my God! You mean when Gene wrote it yeah. for the TV commercials? What he <laughs> yeah. practically stares right at the camera and says, "Women's lib." Or women's lib gone mad. <laughs> That's a much better reading <laughs> than John Saxon. Yeah, that was uh, incredible because he, he is saying it essentially to camera. Yeah, but then as the camera pulls back, you realize he's not talking to anyone. No, no, <laughs> no. Because then, just, then the other uh, I can't remember the, the the rest of the team is sitting behind him, yeah. not looking at him. I'm just like, this is out of control. You okay over there, Dylan? What, you, what were you saying, Dylan? That's what they should have had. A couple more shots of people in rooms, and he's just in the background, still holding court with no one. And, but yeah, I mean, that is like. If there was a theme to this episode, it was like, women's lib, that's out of control, you guys. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. But but at the same time, tell me more about these men who have to beg for their food and yeah. lie on the floor at women's feet. Like, it's such a conflicted, you know, yeah. this is terrible. Tell me a little bit more about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, everything we've watched kind of from this era, definitely they love to make women's lib a joke. Yeah. Uh, this this in particular was just like felt way out of control in some ways. So we've, we've seen it the joke in Genesis 2, Planet Earth. Uh, Beyond Westworld. Uh, the, what's that show where they were farming and they were jumping? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Galactica. Back, back 1980. Yeah, 1980. It was 1980. in that one. It was in the Leonard Nimoy show. That's right. It's oh, like right, right. It's from like something from about 1970 to about 1980. It's just like, can you believe these chicks? Yeah, the yeah just every joke, every joke. I mean, the 70s got to get their shit together. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 2019 gets shit together too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is. It is like such a weird kickoff. Like first act's done off we go and like they're like planning their their mission as they get there on this sub shuttles they're like all right isaiah balok you two go off you try to make contact with the leaders uh me and uh, harper Smythe, or as they call her this entire episode which is great because that's how i write her in my notes they're like hs <laughs> yeah. they like gave up they're like harper Smythe. why do we name her that so long? uh me and hs i'm gonna pretend to be her slave and she's going to pretend to like women's liberation. Yeah, exactly. And they split off into two teams. Isn't it like, ter- a terrible this. idea? I was, I was at the screen like, guys, terrible idea. There's only four of you. Why would you ever split up? I know. It was such a quick, like, we'll just split up. Yes, you're doing great. It's going to go real good for everybody. Uh, and they kind of arrive. And the Amazon society is... It's more of just like a general agricultural society. Yeah, like it's not like very a exciting. commune. Yeah, it wasn't... Well, what's, uh, what's weird about it is what you find very quickly is the men... Yes, they're used as slaves, but it's more they're sort of used as like oxen and yeah. cattle. So right. it's it's which is one of those things where I think it even comes up where one of the characters is like you know you could use animals for the, that purpose. They're like oh, but they're not as well trained as men. It's like no, but they'd be much better. Yeah, they're stronger. Like, well, you way could, way you could better. Actually, get, get like more I get work the done. idea. Like you know, we don't like you and you're a piece of crap. So you're gonna plow my field. But how much can a person possibly pull? Yeah, I mean it's it's not a well thought out society. <laughs> I don't think these women are very efficient. <laughs> but what is fun is as Harper Smythe walks in with her with her uh, slave, 
uh, Mr. Dylan Hunt, they bump into a woman on horseback, played by a, a Gene Roddenberry favorite, mm-hmm. Doctor Pulaski. Doctor Pulaski, Diana Muldar. And I, she's and she's been in a lot of stuff. She was at mm-hmm. least in two episodes of Star Trek: The Original Show, yep. playing two different people. Yep. She played Doctor Pulaski. She played this. I think she might have been in one other thing of his too. So clearly, he liked Usner. And she, I'm gonna say this is gonna sound mean, and I don't mean it sound mean, but whatever. She is one of those actresses where somehow over the course of 40 years, she always was 45 years old. Oh, no, totally. I totally agree. She always had like a harder edge. Yeah. She's a beautiful woman, but she always had this harder edge. She was never like an ingenue. She was yeah. never a young Because she looks exactly like she did yeah. in Star Trek, like yeah. 30 years later. I mean, I don't know if I'd call her 45 years old, but she does look exactly the same. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You're really, Jeff, this is what a 45-year-old woman looks like. Yeah. And the, I don't know about you guys, but the moment she appeared and her costume was shown on camera, I was like, hello, Star Trek original costume designer, Bill Thies. Yeah, hello, yeah. You got the over-your-heart bra yeah. slingshot thing, and you got the yeah. uh, What if navel. it's a V-neck? It's a V-neck, right? <laughs> exactly. And I immediately thought, okay, it's a, it's a uh, woman's society. Uh, everything organized by women, everything. The, the male gaze is not involved at all. So why is she wearing high-heeled boots and a belly button revealing costume? Uh, it's just all more of the women are in very like, just, yeah, a lot of skin showing on all of the women in the society. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, she's playing a character known as uh, Marg. <laughs> Which I just thought was hilarious. Yeah. It's like it's like calling her Colleen or something. <laughs> it's like, Marg. Hey, Marg. Marg uh, immediately beats up Popper Smythe and just like takes her property. And by when you say beat her up, she was just like, let's play for her. She lays for her. And then she just gently pushes her and she falls <laughs> off the horse like battle over. Popper Smythe like just falls down immediately. Yeah. I would have definitely taken the old uh, uh, guy in the wig, wouldn't you? She was terrible. <laughs> As your partner, if you're going to split up into two, take the big guy. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> why, did, why did you leave Lurch behind? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Marg now owns Dylan. Dylan somehow, she leads him into town and he's like peppering her like, where, where, do you have seen this doctor? You seen this doctor around? She's like, shut up. All right. You're a dink. Right. And this is yes, where, this is where the word dink, dink appears. Yes, the- we're sort of introduced the idea that men are slaves, and they're also their slave name is Dink. Yeah. So you can imagine that being said easily a thousand times in this episode. Yeah. And there's just some really funny lines in there. Oh, so many. It's like what, after- what, what does Dink look like? Yeah, a big Dink, <laughs> a little Dink, yeah, a deformed Dink. <laughs> how many how many Dinks gonna fit in my hand? They don't oh, say that at one point. The combination of Dink and the constant references to breeding. Yeah. Very, yeah. Uh, he immediately looks concerned about something she said. I can't remember what her line is, but then she says, Don't worry. You worried about gelding? Don't worry. We don't do that here. It's like, Whoa, when did, when did castration is suddenly part of the story? Or, yeah. or castration fears are part of the story? Yeah. Also, he like, never mentioned that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she th- jumped there pretty quick. I think it was because he saw them as like pack animals who were oh, working gotcha. in the fields and he's, he got worried oh. about it. But yeah, they, she hauls You see them those off. two bricks over there? Don't worry about it. <laughs> She hauls them off to basically the slave auctions where when they throw them in a cage for the people who are waiting to be auctioned off, already captured in this cave, they've been there an estimated 15 minutes. <laughs> Isaiah and Baelish or Baylock, the two guys who were supposed to go off on a separate mission, I don't even understand how there was time to <laughs> kidnap them, but they're not only kidnapped, they're drugged to fear everything. They've been drugged with the, the dink serum. Well, the thing is though, right. we don't even know they're drugged at this point because that was my note. I was like, Let's say they were gone a half an hour. Those guys got caught within the half an hour and were beaten into submission so bad that they can't they can't even look up or anything. It's like later on, yes, we find out that they're getting drugged, but it was like, holy moly, these guys are terrible. Yeah, it, and we kind of get, see an auction period here where 
they auction off Isaiah, and then no one wants Balok, so they're like, "All right, you just you go with Isaiah, I guess." Well, they don't know that he's an Esper. They don't know he's an Esper. That's right. The, and the women's women, powers are nothing. <laughs> the women are all quite impressed by Lurch because he's very tall. Oh, like, yes. oh look at this guy! He's going to be able to haul a lot of things for me. And they don't get around to auctioning off Dylan Hunt, though. Everyone's very excited for him as breeding stock. Yes, prime breeder stock. Well, he's a real say. man. Don't you need a breeder at your house? They say, but. This will be essentially the last time we see these two characters for pretty much the rest of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they've introduced two characters. Like, they're part of the team. How quickly can we get them off this show? Like, how fast can we remove them? Like, maybe don't take them on the mission. They're essentially the bridge crew, right? Like, they're there, but don't worry. Kirk's going down. Yeah. You don't have to worry about them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't worry. We'll put them in a separate mission somewhere else. You don't have to look at them. Lurch, who is the most fascinating person to look at, like, on the show. He's like, he's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 a peculiar looking man. And then they gave him the worst wig of all time. (laughs) And hairband. And Harrison, that's right. Well, oh my God, yeah, it's it's so bizarre. We do kind of get to see we the drugging portion where they take him off and try to feed him some gruel. Bay- really effectively disgusting gruel. I must yeah, say. Mm, very good on the gruel. Very. Baylock managed to clue him in when they were together, briefly being like, "Don't eat, don't eat the gruel. It's right. in the gruel." It, it becomes a real Oliver uh, twist scene. Wasn't yes, it? it does with the little wooden bowls yeah. and the spoons, and he avoids that and like uses his chance that night to uh, escape from his because he's not he's not fearful with these drugs. But his escape lasts Ugh. 30 seconds. It's so ineffectual. What's, I don't even know what the point of it is, other than to show that he's trying to escape. But mm-hmm. you know, He's immediately captured. He doesn't learn anything. He just gets bonked on the head. Yeah. Falls over. Gets tied up. Uh, Marg comes back in and just like directly feeds him the fear thing. And now he is also... like He's eliminated from the story immediately as right. well. Yeah. By the way, the actual name is the Dink Extract. <laughs> I know it is. It's what it's supposed extract. to be extracted from, I do not know. But the Dink yeah. Extract. Dink extract. <laughs> some Dink Extract is fine. Mm-hmm. I think they make some some implications like maybe LSD or something from the 60s. Like yeah. they're, they're really trying to like play off like probably yeah. what is in the news at the time or something. Totally. And you got to, and during that sequence too, at some point in there, you got to see like the house dinks. Like the, oh, yeah. the guys in the field, but then there's the guys around the house, including one guy whose job is just to play the harpsichord. Which I thought yeah. was a very nice. He, he had a pretty good gig. Yeah, he's totally compared to the oxen guys. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. A way better job. Well, this is kind of it. Uh, Harper Smythe, who after she got pushed down, I have no idea after, but we kind of catch up with her, and she's just wandering aimlessly. <laughs> yeah. She comes to a house where a woman lives with her dinks, and she's asking her for help, <laughs> and the woman just like. Uh, get out of here. She's like, no, I just need directions. She's like, if you want directions, you have to fight me for them. And <laughs> I guess that's just a, yeah. that's a tradition in their tribe. Yeah, their right? tribe is, there seems to be a real fight for anything. For anything. Information, anything. like directions. <laughs> but Harper's Might like beats her up in front of her children in this thing. In this also very easy fight. <laughs> yeah. But like. Yeah, if I was that lady, I wouldn't be challenging people to fight. I would go get some, you know, martial arts training or something before would, I was going to be dropping you, down to fight. Say she was about 45? Yeah. About 45 years old? Well, it's the same age as everyone in the event. <laughs> yeah, they, they get in this fight. She beats her up. And she's like, I just wanted directions. And for some reason, after beating up this woman, she's like, you know what? I like you. I like that you beat me up <laughs> in front of my family. I think that was cool, a cool move. So they, she kind of moves in and we get to learn a little bit about kind of their society and, and this drug that marg produces it turns out her family's been producing it for generations 
not everyone in this Amazonian uh, society subscribes to this woman, for instance, none of her dinks are drugged. Mm. They stick around because they want to be there. Yeah, see, that's like the nice slave yeah. scenario, right? Yeah, She's it's good to her people. Come on. Mm. It, it's, it's okay. This is all working out great for everybody. And so we kind of just get a little glimpse into what I guess is the fissure that'll still start cracking in the Amazon society. <laughs> uh, because I guess just like Genesis 2, if you're not going to destroy an entire society every episode, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, right. Is this what could we find out? There's low birth rates. Yes, yes. Not one in five households has had, ch- which I guess is saying that the drugged dinks are not good breeding stock. Is yeah. that the causes some performance issues? <laughs> yeah. But this woman kind of explains the fighting rituals of this, and if she wants to get Dylan back, she's got to go to the auction tomorrow and basically challenge Mara to a fight, and she can get her property back. And which is exactly what she does. We jump forward to the next day. A, a fearful Dylan is being auctioned and being quite manhandled by the women on, mm. on the stage. I loved it. They, the women just all come in like, let's just start tearing his clothes off. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't show off my kind of in shape 70s body. <laughs> I know he's really played as like such a heartthrob. And it's just like, well, I, the mustache was more handsome. Than this guy. It's just, you know, it's I kind of like it. It's that time period before all leaning men had to be like quite literally bodybuilders. Yeah. So it's just like he's handsome. Right. And he's like, he's fine. Yeah. He's just like like a normal guy, but they're like, oh, what a piece of meat that is. And I must say, as compared to the name, Alex Cord, who's the name, mm-hmm. the guy who played Dylan Hunt last yeah. time, I do have more, maybe it's just residual affection from seeing him act as a kid, but I do like John Saxon. I just instinctively like him. Remember, he was the, he was the guy whose robot face would fall off in The Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, For that yeah. alone, yeah. <laughs> he was great. And he was in uh, He's oh, still like acting, the Bruce Lee movie, um, Enter the Dragon. He had a big part in that. and like So he was more of a genre guy if you grew up watching 70s stuff. So I always kind of like, but really, he's at best channeling Shatner in the way he's well, doing Well, I mean, that I, I think some people, not that there's that many people falling on either side of the argument on this, but <laughs> it's either who do you like better than Dylan Hunt? I, I personally, I think Saxon's better. Right. I think it's a more interesting, yes, it's much more like Kirk, but this is an adventure show isn't it like isn't it supposed to be as opposed to making kind of like poke your ribs or whatever he was saying these horrible yeah. like lines I, I just think he's better than mustache yeah fair enough to you, each their own who do you like better you i know? like mustache better ah <laughs> well there I, you go I, I i didn't mind he was great uh, this this guy but yeah. his because of the context of the episode his smarm was turned to like 11 yeah well actually well like, in the scene Oof. that's coming up right yeah. this the seduction scene it was kind of unbelievable so yeah. so much smarm um we get that scene here where uh, HS challenges Mark to a fight at the auction. She wins. It's a, a bit of a, a bit of a fist fight of some sort. Anyway, they they have a bit of a fight out there. Yeah, Definitely in different moments. I thought, oh, this is actually not a badly staged fight. And then there'd be other moments where they know. I like where they got up and they were just hovering the hands. Yeah, right. It was, <laughs> it, it was it was kind of up and down. Like if it had been cut a little tighter, it probably right. would have been okay. Because there's like, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is going okay, and then sometimes it's like, oh, this is a boring. Fight. Yeah, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, so she she wins him back. Just like when she beat up that woman at her house, Mark immediately respects her. She's like, come back to my ranch. I'll set you up with a room. You can look around for your doctor friend who's missing. I've got most of the out-of-state dinks. He's probably there. Yeah, You're probably going to find him where I'm living. So they, they kind of move in. She can't figure out why Dylan's so messed up, why he's so fearful. And they kind of have this scene in the bedroom where she's like trying to convince him, like, what's wrong with you? There must be some way to save you she thinks i guess that way is to make out with him yeah that's a really awkward scene does this feel better all that let me, let me like, rub your head it's, yeah. sort of the, it's just playing the thing that oh she has feelings for him but it's like but that's a really uncomfortable way to yeah show that in this show yeah you're well, drugged fred 
Your drugged friend. Well, I mean, it gets more uncomfortable when <laughs> they start making out and the scene yes. widens and the doctor they're looking for is just standing behind them watching. Yeah, how did he get in the room? He's just I standing like, there watching I, I, them. That is to say, how did he know to come to that room? Like, of all the reveals, like, yeah. I assume that they were going to pull back and reveal that Marg is standing there. But no, it's the guy you've been looking for who we, the viewer, I, have never I love, seen before. I love it, though, because they spent, the, really up to this point, the whole episode has been looking for this guy. And then, you know, they just went... Oh yeah, like oh he's just in the room, he's in the room. <laughs> and he's wearing a really small red bow tie for some reason. <laughs> uh, even though he's wearing a shirt collar that's open, the bow tie's right there. <laughs> he essentially has ended up at Mars because he figured out this drug thing early on, I guess. And he's a bit of a, since he's a doctor, he knew about chemistry, so he's been there basically creating an antidote. That's to, his excuse anyway. To the, to the dink <laughs> thing, because he wants to break all the dinks out of their stupor. Yeah. Which is very fortunate because they're able to get, he's able to use it to help Dylan get back to his normal self. And they're like, we need a plan. We need to get A, this doctor back to take care of Cambridge, which up to this point, I think in the plot, I'd forgotten was even happening. Yeah, completely. Remember there's a guy dying or yeah, yeah, pulmonary uh, it's been thing. Yeah. Easily 45 minutes since we've <laughs> talked about it. They're like, there's only one way to do it. And it's if we can trade Dylan for this guy maybe marg will go for that and there's a, a very dumb scene where they like pretend it's like well i don't know if he's worth a much well well marg is just like all she wants to do is get a piece of dylan for some reason <laughs> right yeah well they they've they said earlier on they kind of tease her someone in the town's like maybe she secretly wants to be dominated by a man yeah it's like no that's not it <laughs> and it, yeah i mean that's it the plan is they're gonna split up He's going to maybe go save the dinks by putting a serum in all the gruel they produce. Uh, but Dylan, in the meanwhile, while pretending to still be drugged, is going to uh, seduce Marg and uh, save the day somehow. I was actually... Okay, this is a gross scene and it's weird. I actually don't know what his plan was. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is he kind of tricks her into saying he's a real good breeding stock at home. He's made a bunch of kids and... She should really be excited that she has him. So he knows all these secret techniques yeah, so, that she might be interested so in. So she's like, Oh, I am interested. And what the technique basically is, is let's just get drunk. Which, right. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, actually, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good works. technique. Yeah, yeah, pretty good technique. So they both get really drunk, but then they play it kind of both ways. Because I thought, Oh, the plan is, I guess he has a really good constitution and he's just going to drink with her. She's going to get drunk, fall asleep. He's going to escape. But then they go through the whole thing. She gets really drunk and she's kind of being a little more nice. And then when she falls asleep, he's like, Darn it. Yeah, I was like, so he was really going. Well, that's with it? that's what's weird is he he's pretending like he knows some secret way of breeding from his. He's pretending to be from some place that's really good at it, and right. to do that, he's going to get her drunk. And you're right, you're like, is he? He's, it's supposed to be a distraction, I think. Mm -hmm. But the drunker she gets, the you know, she's she's a little more looser. They're having a conversation, and he's really pushing her. He's just like, now that we're on the same level, we can really have some fun. And it just like feels like he's about to rape someone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot. In fact, it's probably the worst moments for this character because she's really drunk, and at some point he's like getting her further drunk until she's in a good place for him, which is weird. Mm. But at some point he like turns her and he says, "What about this? Maybe I'm a male chauvinist, but women's lib, men's lib, who needs it? What about people's lib?" Yeah, oh, that, that was a real. That, that was real. Line. All lives matter. Well, that's what it was. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, this is awful, Gene Roddenberry. You're <laughs> a bad person. <laughs> You're a bad, bad person. Yeah. Oh, but he also he also calls her a pussy cat in that scene. Right? <laughs> just like what a misunderstanding of what women's lib is to be like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, men's lib. I'm like, this is not a gene. That's not a thing. <laughs> just before that scene was one of my favorite lines of the show, where someone was asking, I think it was one of the other dinks, maybe her senior dink guy was asking uh, 
uh, uh, Marg about her interest in Dylan Hunt, and she said, "I may want him after I see the gruel wagons loaded." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that's like Cormac McCarthy, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The gruel wagons. I mean, that line is exactly what he's there for because he's yeah. distracting Marg from the gruel from wagon. the gruel wagons, exactly. Because uh, HS is out there berating all the dinks for doing a bad job to distract them right well the doctor is like putting the the solution to save the day in there and that is is basically was the plan and we kind of let a day go past now like they go everyone goes to sleep and wakes up the next day i guess to give the chance for this antidote to work and it's also, gotta get delivered to all the other places other everybody's places. gotta eat their gruel and i guess <laughs> i guess it means harper Smythe has left with the doctor and in this like you know this has been an hour of this movie at this point in this break, we come back, hey, and the Kriegs are back. They've got and, a plan. And, and we, the viewers, are all like, oh, right, the Kriegs. Oh, right, okay, those guys. I, f- I it, forgot it, about it, that. It, they, they might as well have just cut back to the guy who got shot, too. And he's like, God, I'm still, I'm still a little sore. Well, that's it. They're, you cut to them. We get a little clip of them being like, we need to attack this village. They're, up to this point, we had no idea they know this village exists. Like, <laughs> right. And we got to do it in the morning. And all their men are fearful, so it'll be really easy to do. And basically, we just cut to like a Mad Max attack of Marg's ranch. And Dylan comes out and he starts, you know, fighting for her. And they, they reveal they captured Harper Smythe and the doctor somewhere along the way. So, like, that Kimbridge is still not saved. <laughs> the whole scene basically culminates. And the most obvious thing is, like, now that they're not drugged, Kimbridge or uh, Kimbridge, Dylan calls all the dinks to action. And the dinks get up and fight back and, and save all the women. And it's just like the end mm. of the day is like, and men save the day again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. What is, ha- what is happening here? What are we trying to learn from this exactly? The, my, 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 my note was men. Gotta love them. <laughs> it was, the message is so muddled by that point that I really mm-hmm. think, I really think it's it's Gene wanting to test tell stories about subjugated men for whatever reason that that appealed to him. Mm-hmm. And then trying to f- loosely find a framework to make it make sense in his allegorical Star Trek-y way. But since he doesn't really believe in it in any kind of allegorical way, he's like, yeah, whatever. It's like, remember the story with the guy with the half black, half white face? It's like that. Anyway, <laughs> the end. You know, I mean, that's probably that's probably a great way of looking at it because this is like the allegory never clicks to make yeah. any sense. But like he clearly is very much in love with this idea. <laughs> Let's talk more about this. The more the important thing the women have the women have whips, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the, and the guys have to wear ropes around their neck, right? right. <laughs> I oh, love it, in this fight where they're fighting off the Krieg, Isaiah just shows up again. He rides yes, in on a yes, horse. Yes, a great a horse moment. Yeah, I, I thank God for another horse moment in the show <laughs> from Genesis Two. But I was just like, oh, I forgot that's a character on the show. Where has he been? Why is he here? I have no idea. But he does two on one fights some creeds because he's so big. He does. Yeah. The, he does my one of my favorite uh, fight moves, uh, especially when you're a large man in TV, which is you take two guys' heads and then bonk them together. And in this case, since they're wearing helmets, you actually get funny sound effects yeah. from the bong. It's great. The, yeah, <laughs> so good. And you know, this kind of concludes it. And there's this really confusing sequence now. And I don't know. It took me a while. They like they've won. They've got the doctor. They need to rush him back still. And they're like. I think Dylan's like, me and Baylock will take him, and they get in a car and drive away. And then the next scene is them driving back to the ranch. Yeah, yeah, was, and, that was weird. And I guess we're supposed to assume they went back to Pax, dropped off the doctor, saved Kimbridge, and now they've come back well, to the, the, the ranch. Well, the, the weird thing is why Dylan needed to go at all, because mm. they could have just sent him. But what I like is, uh, what's-her-face comes in. What's the, uh, I'm so bad. Margs? No, no, the uh, uh, the female Harper Smythe. Harper Smythe comes in, and she just walks in and goes, 
hey, we just got a message. Uh, the doctor's all right. <laughs> and I was like, hold on a minute. I've got a couple questions. One, why didn't we see that? And two, they're in communication this whole time. That's what I exactly thought. They've got what? They've got like carrier pigeons. They sent someone sent a raven. I'm like, like what so is this? They're they're in. I'm assuming they're trading with this Amazon society. There's one a lot of other ways that they could have dealt with this whole situation. Then, well, at some point, I think we did see Harper Smith had like a weird. Communication. Like communication device, but it, yeah. they were never using it for any like. As soon as you lost all of your team members, right? Call in, make get a phone call. Team. Yeah. yeah, don't wander around asking for directions. <laughs> There's got to be more of those albino guys that touch people's heads, right? <laughs> but yeah, like now that now the Amazons like them again. They're everything's mm. cool. Lurch is making out with one of the women. Yeah, <laughs> she has to stand on a staircase because he's so tall. He's so tall, and. uh Harper Smythe just stands in the background, like, staring jealously at, at Dylan while he talks to Mark, and Mark's just like, maybe you should come back sometime. I kind of like what we were doing up there. <laughs> it, it was just like, you, how are you attracted to this man? This makes no sense. But makes her hair, her hair is down now, so you know she's yeah, relaxed. Totally, totally. So that women's lip is washed off. Yeah. yeah. What's well, people's lip now? It's, people. it's people's lip. He's convinced them that it's people's lip. <laughs> Uh, and they basically just jump back to Pax, where we get to see Kimbridge is fine, and he's just like, "Tell me about your adventures." Yeah, and I'm like, "Don't, don't tell them." That scene really reminded me of uh, Genesis two because, like I was saying, with all the the lame life behind the scenes moments in Genesis two, there's really none of that in this. There's, you, we're yeah. not really ever inside, other than in the, in the train, right at at Pax, mm-hmm. but. Now we're outside on that same little bench that this seems to be where people go to do things in packs. It's like our one bench with our cement building in the yeah. background. And now there's a bunch of kids throwing a balloon around. Do you notice that? There's like a big <laughs> red balloon. And they're just like listlessly throwing the balloon. But like, this is what we do. We go outside. We throw the balloon. Not, not to get too hung up on the comparisons between this and Genesis 2. But am I wrong? Wasn't the city Pax is in in planet Earth, wasn't that the city that the villains were in that they nuked? You know... I think it was. It definitely. It's definitely some like California, like university or library. Mm-hmm. And I thought the exact same thing that it, like, it was where the bad guys were in the last. It's just uh, like a it's, set he loved. I yeah. read that it's where they also filmed Planet of the Apes, the TV show. Mm-hmm. Oh, great! Which it makes was, perfect sense. Which is what either replaced this or Genesis Two. Genesis Two. It was Genesis right. Two. They were going to order it, but then they decided Planet of the Apes at the uh, last minute instead. But but I mean, I guess the thing is that on this, Pax lives above ground. And the other one, they lived underground. Yeah, and they're now above ground in this uh, beautiful cement city. Yeah. Brutalist cement city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. On that one little semicircular bench, which is the same place that at the beginning of the episode, he was doing his like captain's log. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, and no, it wasn't it... a captain's log, Kevin. Oh. It was a, uh, I wrote it down. This isn't Star Trek. It was a narrator's log. <laughs> narrator's yeah. log, which is weird because you already had a voiceover before yeah. that telling you over the over the stock shots of raccoons and whatnot. What It just felt very strange to have... It well, felt like, again, it was what you were talking about, that we were just like fast-forwarding past all the boring stuff that mm-hmm. we didn't want to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So it's like men talking to you really quickly to explain everything. Great. And now the story starts. Well, I mean, that book ends. Like the end of this thing, after they're all sitting around talking to Cambridge, we get another voiceover from Dylan. And I've got it exactly here. It's uh, He says, as the credits are about to roll, the reborn planet Earth, a thousand new adventures. This has been one of them. <laughs> Mm. A yeah. thousand new adventures. What, what a selling point! Is that? This yeah. is one of them. <laughs> well, there's, there might be a thousand restaurants you'll have in your life. This is definitely one of them. <laughs> yeah, this isn't even like this was a good one. It's like oh, this is one of them. <laughs> I don't know why you watched it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it like wraps up. It was crazy. Like it was crazy that this. I, I was just shocked by how weird it was to watch what I thought was going to be a reboot, but then felt weirdly not. I just yeah. I, it felt like this was an episode of a show that was never made, but now it's, I guess, a reboot of that episode. And it's like, 
one of the episodes, like if this were Star Trek, this would have been one of the episodes that you would have been like, oh, that's not a good one. Just just skip that one. Right, but this right. is like, we're going to make this one work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I totally agree. And it's it's weird even that it has a different title, I guess, because it was a different network they had yeah. to. But Planet Earth, I was also thinking, is not a very good title. It's very bland. It's, uh, it's, it's marginally better than Genesis 2. What about, uh, let me pitch you something. What if they called it Genesis 3? I, I like it. I yeah. mean, it would have made it much easier to Google. Trying to Google <laughs> yeah. Planet Earth is just like impossible. I know. I'm trying to find stuff on it. I'm like, Planet I'm like, no, not the documentary. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess we can give some like closing thoughts on it if anyone has much to say. I mean, I got to say, I was watching it. And I'm just like, this is like, it's not a surprise. It's like when they dug up that interview with, um, what's his name? The old cowboy. John Wayne? John Wayne, where where it turned <laughs> well out he done. was, where that Playboy interview was like, oh, it was very recently, they're like, oh, right, he's a racist. Right, like, right. Like, a, a real, t- like, tarnishing a legacy, but there wasn't a big surprise, but I'm just watching this, and I'm like, oh, man, we think of Gene Roddenberry as this, like, real visionary who really, like, had this view of the future, This, uh, but you watch one of these, and you're like, this is a real, you got a bad legacy, Gene, you're <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, you're not as, you weren't as good as we thought you well, were. I, yeah. I think I said it on the last one, and that's, for Every crappy thing that he did, and he, as we watch more of these, he clearly had a lot of not very good ideas or not very well thought out ideas or had an inkling of something and made a TV show and had a lot of chances, but you can't take Star Trek away from him because it is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's just an unfortunate thing that there's so much of the other stuff, but Star Trek is such a important part of the cultural zeitgeist that none of this matters really, right? Just no one remembers it, but it doesn't matter because everyone remembers Star Trek. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the family should just bury this so no, they never have to answer for it. Yeah. And speaking of the family, did you notice that Major Barrett was in this? But that, she never even second. got like a close up. It was like this big. No. This, yeah. She yeah. Was she was barely the woman. She it. was the woman on when he was in the tunnel. She was the woman on the screen. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I totally missed it. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because, you know, he always got to get her in there somehow. Got to get the missus in there. Jean. But, yeah. Jean, yeah. is there not a part for me? You know she wanted to play Harper Smythe. Yeah. You know she wanted. Why, why wouldn't he's like, he He's like, what, what yeah. are you, 45? I don't think so. <laughs> Did you guys have a preference over the two Harper Smythes? I found them totally interchangeable. Uh, oh, I, I, I didn't know until I saw a thing where it was comparing them. And I'm like, but they have the same haircut and everything. It's yeah, just, I yeah, can't totally. Tell them I, I wouldn't have been able to tell them apart either. They, I mean, both characters were barely characters. I mean, I think in the first one... We didn't even realize she was going to be a major character until she popped back up the end and he wanted to see her spleen or something. Or pancreas or yeah. whatever. <laughs> who, who did you like better, Isaiah or Isaiah? <laughs> or Isa. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you watch it and you're like, you realize keeping him in was just like, oh, the thing to do was to shift the series to be about him. Right. He yeah. would have been much more watchable. <laughs> Completely. And that's the thing. There's these little tone notes in it where you go oh that's a cool little thing like let's talk more about that but then it's off screen so quickly yeah like, even though his wig is terrible he's an automatically interesting guy the fact that he's native and still believes in his religious beliefs clearly in a world where nobody else does that could be interesting right like if everyone else is like oh stupid savage and but no we're not going to talk about that at all in fact we're gonna he, he's like he seems maybe he's native just so that he can be a good horse rider i don't even know what the yeah, point of his background is and then the guy who's the esper with the like the albino look like i don't know maybe that's an interesting guy what what is it to be to have mental powers but all, all we know about his mental powers is that they don't work yeah and that he can't cure the guy and that he's easily uh easily defeated defeated yeah like yeah. all of them could have a superpower if none of them works yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's right <laughs> uh, yeah it was it was it was a weird show. all right you want to rate this mm-hmm. uh jordan why don't you go first okay so i went actually looked at my old genesis review and i gave it a four to ten but i think this is marginally better i liked it more 
because I I felt it was more of a show that I could see further episodes of this. I know it's not good, but like, yeah, maybe it's going to go to another stupid little world where it's run by little people or it's run by animals Jesus. or whatever. I'm just saying, hey, I'm, I didn't write the thing. Um, but so I'm going to give it a five out of 10. However, I'm going to give it an extra point because they said dink all the time. So six, <laughs> six out of six 10. Six out of 10. Six uh, out of 10 dinks. Uh Kevin, you want to go next, or you want me to go? I, uh, I, I, I'm happy to go. I would also want to point out that at one point, uh, Dylan Hunt says "automobile," <laughs> the same way Worf does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that was just a Roddenberry thing. People who don't understand, they know the word, yeah. right? They, they're aware of the concept, but just which emphasis to put on yeah. which syllable? Never said it out loud before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I'm agreeing with you, Jordan, in that I think it's actually a really good pilot concept it's just that the episode they chose to make is terrible like much more so than than um genesis 2 which i thought was more boring although overall i remember giving it a good i think i gave it a six or seven because i thought it was enjoyable like i, I was never bored watching it but i think this is a stronger idea and i could totally get like if i was uh, you know in 1974 i would have watched this and i would have wanted to see what the next week's episode was because i would hope it would be better because this idea is so lame so i don't know six maybe i'd give it a six six day eh? wow uh I I was so bored. Really? Oh, were this, you really? This didn't do much. I know the sexual politics didn't intrigue you. <laughs> I will honestly say, talking to you now, Kevin, and the concept that this was probably what he was doing with his wife after hours, like <laughs> right. this was the role play they were doing, has probably improved it in my mind a little. Um, one, I'm giving it a one. Oh, <laughs> From zero to on. one. Hold on. Hold on. At the end of last season, we watched America 2100. <laughs> And you gave it what a fifteen out of ten? What did oh, you it's a much better show. <laughs> oh man, oh, I, I, we, we and I have very different tastes. I guess. <laughs> well, uh, I guess that about wraps it up. Unless anyone else has any notes, they've got kicking around. They're desperate to get out there. Uh, I just want to point out that another line of dialogue I loved was when someone said, "You can never be sure about us dinks." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to end that. <laughs> oh, I mean, we're definitely gonna I, I, getting into it. I guess. Uh, Jordan's going to put up some videos on the Instagram and Twitter and he's shown me a couple clips of it and it's just like it's non-stop dink puns <laughs> like the whole everything's an innuendo on this show you might want to rename the Instagram just call it non-stop yeah, dink non-stop dink non- well get a lot more hits though. <laughs> yeah, a lot more hits that way uh, you can also email us at continuedrag.com if you want to hit us up maybe you watched it when it was out maybe you have some more fond memories or watch it on home video apparently Oh, it was on home video? Yeah, did you not see the opening had the Warner Brothers? It came out as I think oh, later I didn't on. Even notice that later really? on they just must have gone. Oh, oh we have this. There's a DVD right. release of it. This is really been re-released many times. Like, imagine that poor person who rented this or bought. Wow. I was like, I'm gonna buy this Roddenberry thing. And I was like, what is this? No, is kidding. that Lurch? Yeah, you'll be surprised. I, you're not wrong. Uh, there's a lot of people who finally remember it. Like I was going through some reviews and stuff, and like some people are like, yeah, I, I watched it when I was six, and I it's fun to go back and watch. I mean. Mm-hmm. I think it hit as I guess at this period of time where people were like hungry for science fiction. I don't wow. know. I, I I do wonder whether we should watch the third one at some point. I, in the I think I, I think we're going. I think we're going to have to. You know what it doesn't have though? It doesn't have Roddenberry. It would. They took his idea and someone else made the show, hey, so yeah. it wouldn't have all the weirdness of Roddenberry. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm willing to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. It could. It could be a disaster. Maybe it's good though. Maybe right? maybe someone's like, I got this. I got. I'm going to take Well, because again, both times we've said. It's kind of an interesting idea for a show. It's the future. Society's broken up in all these factions. So you're traveling from one to the other every time. And you've got this conflicted hero because he's a violent man of the past living with these peaceful. It seems like it should be a good show. Maybe the third time's the charm. I, I, I'm curious. I'm willing. 
I'm going to bet yes. Right now, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say. It's going to be the highlight of the series. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, thank you for joining us. Always my pleasure. Thank you, guys. We'll have you back for either that or maybe we'll give you something else to watch. We'll see. <laughs> Jordan, it's great to be back. Yeah, it's good to be a dink. <laughs> <laughs> Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rexiedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. <laughs>